The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I am doing fantastic, and there has been a lot of wrestling news this week. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, there was a big week once again. The aftermath of what the 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 changing of the world. Uh, you know, we're still reeling off the excitement of the first dance, um, as well as. You know, we're going to be covering some SummerSlam and Scoop of Vanilla this week. We also got changes to NXT coming up. Free agents are all over the place. It's been a wild week and a wild way to end this month. But before all the wrestling news, we got the Blue Bombers playing tonight against the Calgary Stampeders. What do you think? That's right. Uh, We need a bounce back here because if I remember correctly, we lost to the Argonauts. Yeah, we did. Of after, all teams. After spanking them just the week before. So, yeah. Bombers looking to make a comeback in uh, in week four, I think it'll be. But, uh, yeah. With that being said, let's get right into some wrestling news. It's time to take a look at the headlines and rumors from outside the ring. It's Breaking K-Fade. So I mentioned it at the top of the show there. We're kind of still reeling off Rampage, the first dance and the changing of the world. We speculated last week on the show what the what the number was going to be for uh, for AEW Rampage, the first dance. And uh, we weren't too far off. I think I overshot it a little bit. Got to remember, TNT is not on your basic cable package. And I, I think that's what tripped me up. I think if this was, you know, next year when they move to TBS and this happens, this number is a lot higher, I think. But uh, Rampage, the first dance, pulling in 1.13 million viewers on average uh, for the CM Punk return. That's a big number for, for Rampage. And it's the second largest number since AEW debuted, since Dynamite debuted October 2nd, 2019. So, uh to, to say CM Punk doesn't move the needle, I think we were right of burying Roman Reigns last week. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's good that you said that this is the uh, second to the, to the debut of Dynamite because like that was such a momentous occasion and and this one is. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a reset, I feel, for AEW. Like it just, it changes everything and... We're on our way to to a whole different path with uh, all these new guys showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on, we got Adam Cole removes his link to the WWE shop page from his Twitter bio. Um, we talked about NXT TakeOver. I mean, we're going to be talking about NXT TakeOver 36 as Adam Cole's last match in WWE. His contract extension actually went until the Tuesday night. And he did, um, he wasn't on the show for NXT that week for that Tuesday night, but he did do like a web, like part of the pre-show or part of the post-show. And that was his actually last contractually obligated segment, uh, throughout the week. It's been speculated. Is he going to resign? Is he going to go other elsewhere? I think this proves that he is not returning to WWE. He's not returning to NXT. Um, I've heard lots of rumors. I mean, we know Britt Baker and Young Bucks are teasing his return uh, to the elite and, and, you know, being the elite and AEW as a whole. But I've heard a lot of other things about Impact and ROH as well. So I think uh, it's all up in the air with Adam Cole right now. Yeah, I think it'd be tough for Adam Cole for one main reason. And I, I feel like he, he's been a top guy in NXT I 
I think he knows he has the abilities to be a top guy. And right now, if he showed up in AEW, I don't know that he is a top guy. Like, we still have the King John Moxley. We now have Punk. We have Malachi Black, which might overshadow him a little bit. And then Brian Danielson. We got rumors for, yeah, we got some rumors for some other guys. So it, it might be in his best interest to go somewhere where he can say, I'm a top guy. I need to get top dollar. And, and if he goes to Impact, still have the chance with the Forbidden Door to to be on AEW at some point in time. So it'll be exciting to see where where he lands. We're all chomping at the bit to to see where he shows up. Uh, but free to show up this upcoming week in in the world of of uh, you know professional wrestling wherever he does show up. So that'll be cool. Friday night on SmackDown there was a tease, and now we we've heard from. Uh, WWE CEO Nick Khan that NXT is being rebranded. We talked, we touched on it a little bit last week and how they're just absolutely stupid and bonkers to try to rebrand their best brand, but they're doing it anyways. There was a leak from uh, a rapper. I think his name's Whale, W-A-L-E. Or Wally, I don't know. It might be some kind of weird pronunciation, but apparently he did the music for this new NXT rebrand, and he leaked the song and the logo on his social medias during SmackDown. I mean, we're looking at it right here on our screens. For those of you who don't know, go go search it. What the fuck are we looking at? I I, I really don't get it. I I don't get it at all. I'm not sure what they were after here i like the old logo i I like how the wrestlers would refer to the yellow and black brand like it was simple it was bold and i guess we'll have to see for an explanation as to what this is about i'm totally up for changing the font every now and then wwe does it all the time right i i like the the shape of this font but why are we getting all the colors? Why is it the yeah. rainbow thing? Are, are we going full pride here? Which, I mean, all-inclusive, that's all good and dandy, but why couldn't this still be yellow and black? Is Kiss going to be mad about this logo change? Like, I feel like it has a very Kiss-type flair to it. Like the band like Kiss the or Sunny Kiss? Yeah, like like the band Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can kind of see it, yeah. Yeah, the way that end kind of comes down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Gene Simmons. Gene is Simmons be... will be on it if, if he thinks there's any infringement, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I've, I mean, it's still all up in the air. I don't think this is actually official yet, so we'll keep, uh, we'll keep our eyes out open for that. And the last little bit of news here, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more uh, later on in the show as we talk about SummerSlam, but Edge... Brought back the the bloodbath uh, on the go home show before SummerSlam, uh, doused Sh- Seth Rollins in this black goo. During his SummerSlam entrance, he brought the brood music. He came up through the ground, uh, through the stage, encircled in fire. It was a really cool moment. News came out this week that AEW actually had plans to bring Gel- Gangrel. Back into AEW, we saw him at the uh, Ultimate Deletion match there with Sammy Guevara at the Hardy Ranch. I I think I used uh, a prediction and like maybe Revolution or something that Gangrel was going to show up to help to help whoever out to get some revenge on Matt Hardy or whatever. I can't remember what, exactly what the story was. Uh, so this really hurts me because that bonus point would have been retroacted six months out (laughs) but because edge's entrance at SummerSlam, aew ended up nixing the plans to bring gangrel in which sucks uh this was all reported on uh, a podcast gangrel mentions that he talked to edge to adam copeland and they they talked about it Edge felt really bad. He didn't know that that was in the works. If he would have known that Gangrel was going to AEW and was going to be doing something, they might have did something a little bit different for uh, for WWE because it was all Edge's idea. 
And Gangrel was cool with it. He's like, no, man, it was awesome. You, you nailed it. It's all good. The silver lining in all this, Tony Khan still paid Gangrel even though he didn't show up. Because they had plans. They had it all booked. It was just a matter of the timing to do the angle. So, and again, another, another instance where Tony Khan just being an absolute class act here. Yeah, it's totally unfortunate, um, especially with, you know, Christian and Edge kind of being at the top of these two companies now and and to have Gangrel in there. I mean, it would be awesome to have all three together again. But yeah, Tony being a class act, I think that it's almost an understatement. Like this guy needs to run for president of the United <laughs> States or something and get it figured out over there. Yeah, totally, totally. Absolutely. All right, so that's Breaking Kayfabe this week. Let's jump right into the commentary desk. So we had a huge week. I mean, we're talking about SummerSlam, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage. Picked about four or five different things that we can talk about this week on the commentary desk. It all starts off with Chris Jericho segment on dynamite. And for those of you who haven't seen it, Jericho came out to reflect on his future, to give us an update on how he was feeling after losing to MJF for the third time. It was a uh, kind of a classic Jericho, Jericho segment, if you will. But what it all comes down to is that he wants one final fight with MJF to happen at All Out. And he even added the stipulation that if he didn't win, if he didn't beat MJF, then maybe he doesn't deserve to wrestle in AEW anymore. Maybe he doesn't deserve to be Le Champion anymore. Le Champion. I don't know why I said that so English-like. So, yeah, what do you think? Jericho putting his career on the line against MJF at All Out. I, 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 it was almost like I was having deja vu. I feel like we've seen this actual promo before from Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, probably not, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I, I like it because either way it ends bad. Like I, I think that he's not going to not be in AEW. Like I, I think he even said that he wouldn't even be at the commentary desk. Like he's done. He's done. No, he said he'd go full-time commentary. He said he would go full-time commentary. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Uh, Maybe that could happen. I don't know. I feel like Chris Jericho still has more in in him. So I almost feel like this is... He's going to win. Uh, Jericho Cruz is coming up. There's an AEW component to that. I don't know. I feel like it's giving it away... The whole zero and three, you're gonna come back and and win that fourth one to to keep your job, and then still maybe you know go out on tour and and do whatever. I don't know. What are you thinking? I don't know. It's all up in the air because I know I know Jericho's leaving to do a Fozzie tour. He's probably not going to be around as much, and it made sense for him to kind of just let that happen after losing to MJF. Uh, the week before. Now we get this. I mean, it makes sense because this is a big feud that's been going all summer. You want to have that nice big blow-off at, at a pay-per-view, but I thought their match at on Dynamite the other week was was awesome. And it was a... I, I said it on this show. It was kind of a perfect blow-off for this feud. Sucked it wasn't on a pay-per-view, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I don't really know what to think when it comes down to the prediction show next week. This is going to be a, this might be a coin flip moment. I might just let destiny decide and let leave it all up to fate. Right, right. The thing the thing that I didn't like about this the, this the segment the most is that Jericho says I will never ever wrestle in AEW again, but he didn't do the ever and he didn't say again. I know you don't want to bring that character up anymore. You you've said it in the past, but come on. When you I watched it back the second time, the crowd said it. The crowd wanted it. You can kind of right, hear right. them echoing it off, but Jericho didn't say it. So 
I don't know. I'm just pissed off. I'm picking MJF. (laughs) (laughs) You're bearing it? Yeah, I'm bearing it. Uh, From there, we go on to the World Tag Team Title Eliminator semifinal match, Varsity Bonds versus Lucha Brothers. Of course, the Young Bucks are watching at the top of the ramp. This is kind of their gimmick throughout this tag team tournament. Uh, Jurassic Express already in the finals is watching from the front row. This was a really classic tag team wrestling match. I really enjoyed it until the last four or five minutes. Then everything went to hell, I guess you could say. There was literally no tags until the end of this match. There was times where all four were in the ring. There was times when all four were outside of the ring. Very, very much a, a Lucha Brothers type match where there's just crazy spots happening left, right, and center. And I got to bring that up because, like, Knox, we, we've kind of put Knox over as a ref in AEW. He's probably one of the better ones. But he, like, makes no attempt to count anybody out. There was no, you know, where you got to roll in and break the count and roll back out. There was none of that stuff. And it reminds me a lot of the comments that we heard from Mike Kyoto this week as he mentions that he doesn't like the way AEW refs are are working, you know, and he wants to come back to AEW to teach the refs how to referee a professional wrestling match. And although I agree with him, I feel it's it's awkward coming from him because he was the one who counted to four in that Cody match. So who are you to be teaching anybody, Mike Yoda? But I digress. What are your thoughts on this match? What what did you think about these last four minutes? And and what what do you think of Mike Yoda wanting to come back to to teach the refs? Well, I thought this match was, like you say, it was really good at the beginning and then it kind of went all chaosy. And and I'm not even sure why it did that. You know, you're saying that this is a typical uh, Lunch Brothers match and I don't disagree with that. I, I wonder if a little bit of this was maybe the inexperience of Varsity Blondes, you know, just kind of lost in the moment. Lots of things are going on at the at the same time. And, and that's maybe where I don't want to say having a good ref, but having a ref who's like really in control can maybe get that under wraps. So I'll give, uh, I'll give Mike a little bit of credit on there, but he, it just really sounds like he's begging for a job. Well, you know, what's interesting is that they had Kyoto come in a few times this spring, right? Like he did. He did that Cody Scorpio Sky match, I think is the one where he counted to four. He did the uh, Mimosa Mayhem match between Jericho and Orange Cassidy. No, that was Aubrey. I feel like he did a Jericho match. He did a few matches and then that, that four count happened and we haven't seen him since. So <laughs> I wonder if that's kind of the, the deal breaker for, for AEW is just like, dude, you can't even count right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But I get I get what you're saying. Varsity Blondes, it could be it could be just inexperience. You know, even if Knox just takes like you said, takes control and just starts counting and it snaps everybody kinda out of it and they're like, Oh shit, yeah, we're in the middle of a match here. We can't just be doing anything and everything. So Needless to say, yes, Lucha Brothers do win the match. They move on to the finals as they go to take on Jurassic Express. That'll happen at on AEW Rampage. We'll get to it a little bit later. Next item up for for discussion is uh, the Twitter marks accusing AEW of poor booking. Uh, I saw a lot of a lot of action on this topic on Twitter. You know, Monday night, Tuesday, all day. A lot of people citing that with CM Punk's return to wrestling on Rampage and his subsequent debut coming up on Dynamite. AEW should have been expecting one of the largest TV audiences for a Dynamite yet, but booked the following matches. We had top guys in Eddie Kingston, Moxley, and Darby Allen taking on the wingmen. We had the Gun Club and the Factory in a six-man tag, and also Brock Anderson in a main event against Malachi Black. Now, I get what they see, and they just don't want to see the Gun Club. They don't want to see... The fact or the factory, they don't want to see the wingmen or Brock Anderson. Like I get that, but my argument to this whole thing is that top guys can't face top guys every single week. 
This is exactly why WWE got stale is because every week it was top guy A versus top guy B and top guy C interrupting or something to along the, that equation. You need guys like the wingmen in the factory and Brock Anderson for these top guys to, to just beat on. And I mean, that's exactly what we saw here. Kingston, Mox, and Darby had a really fun, awesome match against the wingmen. The gun club undefeated in trios action. They're like 23 and 0. They're finally getting a TV spot. I think that's awesome. And then they're taking on the top heels in the factory. That's good booking to me. Now, the one argument I'll agree with is Brock Anderson in this Malachi Black, but I talked about how they can do this right. It's funny that the Malachi Black-Brock Anderson match almost went to a T the way I described it, except they messed it up after the match. And it was Lee Johnson, and I don't agree that Malachi, that Lee Johnson is scaring Malachi Black out of the ring. If it was Dustin, it makes sense. But Lee Johnson, come on. So what really pisses me off is that you can't sit there and suck AEW's dick about bringing CM Punk back, and then two days later curse them out for booking the wingmen. You, you can't do that. It's, it's one or the other. What are your thoughts on it? And I mean, like a lot of these guys carried AEW through the pandemic. So like, were they saying that then, you know, I have to admit like on paper, when we saw what these matches were, I was like, wow, wow. Is this kind of what we're getting? But like, when did these people start posting this stuff on Twitter? Cause was it after the fact? Cause if it was, it was like, this show was a really good show. So yeah, on paper before the show, you're thinking, geez, this is going to be a great show, but then it turned out to be a great show. So does it matter that it's not CM Punk or, you know, Cody or whoever, it was still a great show no matter who was there. And that's really all that should be talked about is how, how good of a show was. Yeah, I completely agree. I had a ton of fun watching this show and, and especially these three matches. I thought I thought Gun Club versus Factory did exactly what it needed to do. It created a story between QT Marshall and Paul White, and Paul White wasn't even in the match. He was just sitting up on commentary. But I'm more excited about that match. That's good booking. And I mean Brock Anderson showed up against Malachi Black in a way. It was a little botchy. The guy's brand new, but he did pretty good. So yeah, it was a fun show to watch. How how can you say anything bad about it? I just, I don't get it. And it's these types of shows where someone will do something, you know, probably a lot of times by accident and it gets them over. If they're never on TV, you're going to have the same guys all the time. So, you know, uh, I'm thinking like a wingman, like I thought Benoni was awesome. Like he's, he's, I'm, I'm getting to like him more and more and it's just going to take him to say something, do something. And then he'll be, you know, he'll have the gimmick, the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah just these marks wanted something so spectacular this week because it's hot off the trails of, of the rampage and the CM Punk return. What are they going to do for the go home show? The go home week next week going into all out. They've blown their 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 big show a week early, which they've done in the past. So I like that the uh, the enhancement talent, for lack of a better term, got a chance to to show up on Dynamite, and and they absolutely killed it. I thought this was an awesome awesome three matches. Let's get into Scoop of Vanilla. This past weekend, last Saturday, was SummerSlam 2021. And let's just quickly talk about that. SummerSlam on Saturday, NXT TakeOver on Sunday. They've, like, I don't know if this was a a building venue scheduling conflict or what. Or was it just them finally admitting that NXT is the superior brand? So they got the big Sunday night spot. But then they go and ruin the brand by re- by doing a new logo. That sucks. I don't know. What, what did you think of the the flip of the two of the two shows? Yeah, I mean it is interesting. I I doubt it's going to be finally admitting anything because that doesn't sound like vanilla brand at all. I'm wondering if this is 
was it always booked for Saturday? I guess they wouldn't know about CM Punk, but I mean, we knew about CM Punk. They had to have known if it was going to happen. It was a really good chance it was going to happen on that Friday. So is this some sort of response to AEW and, and sort of getting, you know, people thinking about WWE right, right after that whole night? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, like we don't, I don't pay attention to sco- of the vanilla brand, so I don't know if this has always been scheduled for Saturday or not, but that's plausible that they just make a last-minute switch. But anyways, let's get into it. The big talking point from SummerSlam 2021, it, it was scheduled to be Bianca Belair defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Sasha Banks. It was quickly announced that Sasha was unable to compete. Carmella comes out as the replacement she had a long ass entrance, like it was borderline Roman Reigns style entrance as she strutted her way to the ring. Before anything can happen, Bianca cuts a quick little promo and and accepts that you know Sasha will get hers, but if it's got to be you first, no big deal. As she puts the mic down, we hear some familiar music. Becky Lynch, the man, returns. Uh, she comes out to the ring, just takes out Carmella, challenges Bianca. Bianca accepts and then just continues on to bury Bianca Belair, one of the hottest young stars in the vanilla women's division, and destroys her with one move to win the SmackDown women's title. I think this is the worst booking of a return of all time. I really do. Because it, it it looks reactionary. It's poor timing for Becky Lynch coming off the heels of the biggest return of all time. You know, so the man's return is already kind of tainted a little bit. And then they go on to bury one of their top stars. And you can make the argument that Bianca's a, a star. She'll bounce back from this and, you know, all whatever you want to say. But I don't believe that. I think this absolutely ruins Bianca Belair. I think there's a very good chance that Bianca turns into a Dolph Ziggler kind of out of this. Like, this was a really bad booking. It was absolutely disgusting, really. Um, I think you're right. I, this this does seem very reactionary. I That's my vote for... For what was going on here, they need. They felt like they needed to do something big because of of what happened, and I, I think it just comes off way better if you if they would have waited. Um, and then the return wasn't even that great. Like, no new music. It is just like they just transported us back a year, and 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 here's where we're at. Here's your belt back, and let's keep trucking. So. I don't know that Bianca Belair, I think she can bounce back from it, but what we've seen from Vanilla is we've seen a lot of guys that are huge. NXT, wherever, they come here, they get buried, and then we don't see them again. And then they're on Impact and and all these other places. So Bianca Belair, AW confirmed? Is that what we're saying? I mean... uh essentially you might as well write it down now two years down the road we're going to be reporting on that so yeah weird booking choice by the vanilla brand here um a, a booking choice that i do agree with and i think worked really really well was at the end of the main event just after reigns defeats cena Brock Lesnar returns to WWE. Uh, there was a lot of rumors that Brock was on the table to come to AEW for a while. And, and you know, we weren't sure what Brock's future was in, in professional wrestling. Now we know he shows up, he confronts Reigns. I gotta, I gotta put Heyman over throughout this whole thing. He was so scared. He sold this moment so well. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I like this return, and I I liked Brock's new look, and I like that he wasn't Smiley Brock, if uh, you know what I mean by that, because Smiley Brock doesn't instill any fear in me. But uh, his his look there, I, I think, was totally cool, and I I just can't wait to see him just feed on Roman Reigns. That was kind of a table pun, if you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thanks for explaining it. Let's just say no. (laughs) (laughs) 
Does Heyman betray the head of the table and rejoin Brock Lesnar? I mean, it should be teased. If, if that's not where they're going to go, it, it should definitely be teased. But uh, I, I think if they're going to do it, it, it Heyman's going to pull it off, right? Cause, and it's already started with that, just being just so scared that he's kind of on on the enemy side. So uh, I think if that's where they're going, I think Heyman could get me to watch the odd Raw. They're on SmackDown, but yes. Or... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever one of their 10 hours of the week, I'll tune in for that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, let's take a look at Sunday's NXT TakeOver 36. It was the two out of three falls match, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Riley winning the first fall in a standard wrestling match in, in well under five minutes. Cole wins the street fight, which was the majority of the match. Definitely was not as good as the street fight we saw WrestleMania weekend. And then Riley wins the cage match again in under five minutes while handcuffed to the ropes. It's it's pretty obvious this was Cole's last match in the vanilla brand. I think this was a, a sad way to, to go out. I thought I thought it would be a more competitive match in a way, but it just... I don't know. It just didn't have any shine to it. There was there was nothing special about this match. I felt. Yeah, I think it really lacked emotion on both sides. I feel like Adam Cole was just really doing his best job to be the cocky Adam Cole. Maybe he didn't want to give away that this would be his last match. I don't know. There just wasn't that emotion there. I did, I don't feel the hate from Kyle O'Reilly. You, you get it from Adam Cole, but I think if I'm going to criticize anything here, it's Kyle O'Reilly just doesn't have that, that emotion that gets us into the story. But I thought the ending was okay. I thought it was interesting that he, he did that submission handcuffed. Like that was a pretty cool, cool moment. Yeah, I like what you say about just lacking emotion, especially being a grudge match. You know, this was Kyle O'Reilly, Cole 3. You know what I mean? So it was a little weird that there was a little lack of emotion. Let's quickly look at some honorable mentions of the week. We had Edge taking on Seth Rollins. Seth had new music. I don't know how long ago this music came in, but this was the first time I heard it. I think it absolutely sucks. And then, of course, Edge using the brood entrance. Edge used his wife's Beth Phoenix, which is just the implant buster. Uh, I think they call it a glam slam in vanilla in vanilla circles. I thought that was cool. Edge tapping out Rollins with his submission. I thought this was a really cool match. It was long, but it didn't feel long while you were watching it because the action was so well-structured. These are two of the best in the game. Edge and Seth Rollins put on an awesome match. Yeah, this had some really good pace to it. Uh, the the ebb and flows, like there were some fast parts and then it slowed down. Um, this is, you felt emotion in this. And I think if Kyle O'Reilly wants to be a top guy, watch a match like this and get a sense for how you draw in that crowd. And, and then a match, uh, you know, that he does will be better. Sticking with SummerSlam, we got Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H., the Raw Women's title match. Uh, this was a predictable match with a predictable finish. There wasn't too much anything out of the ordinary here. It was a triple threat match. There was a lot of false finishes with the girls breaking up each other's pins. There was one kind of big spot where Charlotte does the moonsault to the outside and absolutely takes Nikki's head off but other than that a predictable match with a predictable finish Charlotte once again winning the the women's championship on a pay-per-view and yeah I mean you pretty much summed it up there when we watched this you you asked me kind of how I thought it was going to end and again very predictable but I, I wonder what this does for Nikki Ash since you know she was so over they give her the strap and they immediately take it away. And it reminds me of another sort of fellow who won something and then got it taken away the next day. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own belt now that he's held on for longer than 24 hours. So he's doing all That's right true. now. But do you think Nikki Ash is done? Uh, no. 
I don't think so. I think, yeah, I guess if you want to word it like that, Nikki Ash is done. I think she needs to go back to Nikki Cross. I want Psycho Nikki back. I'll play with you, Becky. Let's play, Becky. You want to play? Play with Nikki. Play with Nikki. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Ah, fuck, I love that shit. <laughs> Let's move on to NXT TakeOver. Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross for the NXT World Championship. No Scarlet Bordeaux. Match automatically sucks. Uh, this was Samoa Joe's in-ring return after over a year out of the ring. This was a very slow, drawn-out match. I guess you could you could argue a typical vanilla championship match. You know, the, the championship match doesn't always need to be the flashiest. It just needs to be solid. And that's what this was. Um, I think they, they still put Karrion Cross over. He absolutely dominated Samoa Joe for the majority of this match. But they, they kind of played that experience storyline with Samoa Joe coming back at the end. Muscle Buster, one, two, three. New chat. Yeah, I think the result of this was, I don't know, a little bit shocking to me. I, I didn't think this is where they were going to go. I feel like this kind of maybe ends this whole story with Karrion Cross. So, so it'll be interesting how they move forward with it. But uh, I was pretty surprised that they gave this one to Samoa Joe. So Karrion Cross has been working dark matches uh, on the main roster before SmackDowns and stuff like that. So him dropping the title here, I feel like he's on his way up to the main roster. Samoa Joe's already done the main roster thing. He It was kind of his his choice to come back to NXT. So I think this is a cool way. This was a cool way to end Karrion Cross's NXT story and begin a new era with Samoa Joe back in NXT. And uh, should be noted, Samoa Joe, first ever three-time NXT champion. It's never been done before. So, All right, let's get right into the match of the week. The match of the week this week was the World Tag Team Title Eliminator Tournament Finals. The winners, again, will take on the Young Bucks at All Out in a steel cage. We got Jurassic Express versus the Lucha Brothers. Young Bucks, once again, at the top of the ramp to watch. Uh, I thought Jericho did a really cool job on commentary talking about how these were custom-made chairs. And uh, he's got... He's got the same couch at home, but he's still waiting for the chairs to come from Ikea. He made a real funny joke about that. Uh, we also had the Greek freak Giannis from the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks sitting in the front row. Uh, let's talk about this match. Th this was a weird dynamic because we had baby faces versus baby faces here. Uh, Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix to start off the match. This kind of really teased an AEW dream match. I think that we are pretty much due to see anytime soon. They they started this match. They wrestled for about four minutes straight. It was awesome. They kind of told the we're evenly matched kind of story. They were reversing and telegraphing everything. Luchasaurus gets tagged in. Uh, he proved once again in this match, the whole entirety of this match, that he can work as a big guy. Again, didn't do anything too spectacular like he's been known to to kind of blur that line of are you a luchador, are you a big guy? So he did really good proving he's a big guy here. He takes on both Lucha Brothers simultaneously for a little while, which was awesome. Ray Phoenix paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero with the Guerrero shimmy as he hits a frog splash on Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy tags in, hits a big comeback lariat with the Poison Rana. Phoenix kicks out, but Jungle Boy keeps up on the pressure as he hits a Tiger Driver and sets up the snare trap. Penta comes in to break up the submission. Penta, now the legal man, punishes Jungle Boy with a backstabber backbreaker. This was an absolutely deadly move. You literally saw Jungle Boy fold in half on this backbreaker. Uh, he goes straight into a Made in Japan, which is, um, I've never heard that name of the move before. At least I don't remember it. But it, it looks like a pump handle tiger driver. It was really deadly. Uh, Jungle Boy kicks out of that pinfall attempt. Things break down as all four get involved. 
Um, we mentioned it in the previous uh, Lucha Brothers match that we talked about. Penta and Luchasaurus are on the outside with Jungle Boy climbing the ropes. Ray Phoenix walks the tightrope to interrupt and launches Jungle Boy to the outside into Luchasaurus, Penta, and Marco Stunt with a Hurricane Rana. The Fight Forever chants are going. The This Is Awesome chants are going. We're not even close to done yet. While Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix trade blows on the ring apron, Penta sneaks into position as Ray drops to his knees. Penta uses his brother's back to launch into Jungle Boy, hitting a picture-perfect Canadian destroyer on the apron. Luchasaurus tries to get some revenge, grabbing Ray Phoenix, but Ray Phoenix jumps onto the top rope and into a Canadian destroyer on Luchasaurus into the ring. It was absolutely awesome sequence of, uh, of events there. Uh, Luchasaurus kicks out at one, which is, I mean, we've been seeing that more and more with the kickouts at one. I, I like it when it's done right. Six super kicks to Luchasaurus here. And then uh, the Lucha Brothers do this like tandem Casadora code red weird little move. They goes into a pin. Luchasaurus kicks out again, but they set up for this new finisher variation uh, of the assisted package pile driver and get the three count. Lucha Brothers win this match. It was a absolutely spectacular match it was really fun to watch uh even in the moments when it broke down and everybody was kind of involved it was only a short time it wasn't like the varsity blondes match so it works in this situation what are your thoughts on this our match of the week this week i mean it's it's well deserved for exactly what you explained here i mean you don't even have to see the match to to just envision how fantastic this is you guys know that I am a Ray Phoenix fan, so anytime he's in a match, you know it's going to be absolutely awesome. And when we talked about last week, kind of who we thought the winners of this was going to be, I, I think it was me who said what makes sense here is to have the Lucha Brothers go on to the final. And I think that even more now, being that it's a, it's going to be a cage match. And I'm if you try to envision the Young Bucks and... Jurassic Expression in a, in a cage match. I just, it doesn't feel right to me. And these guys have a lot of history. And I and I think we're going to see an absolutely excellent match. And the Young Bucks have updated their bio to say that they're going to, they're going to make the, the Lunch Brothers see some blood. So I um, can't wait for this match. Yeah. The Young Bucks jumped right into the ring uh, as soon as this match was over to attack the Lucha Bros. I mentioned earlier that it was the faces versus the faces. Jurassic Express immediately helping out. There was a cool moment where all four guys are, are raising each other's hands in the ring. I'm super pumped for All Out in this steel cage match. Like like you said, it, it only made sense for the Lunch Brothers to be in this match at All Out. I think if, there was, if they were ever going to do anything different, it had to be the Varsity Blondes. It wasn't going to work with Private Party in a steel cage. It wasn't going to work with Jurassic Express in a cage. Because the Lucha Brothers beat the Varsity Blondes, it had to be the the Lucha Brothers. So I totally agree with that. All right, that's all for the commentary desk. Let's get right into the new hot segment on IWP, Putting It Over. And now, Putting It Over. All right, first item on putting it over, Booker T says that CM Punk struck out with during his return by mentioning WWE and ice cream bars. You guys know I'm burying this. Booker T don't know shit. And the fact that he thinks like it, it just this just screams stooge. Booker T is under contract with WWE. Somebody's got out there, got to get out there and say something negative about this amazing moment that everybody's talking about. Booker T said, fuck it, I'll do it. He, there's no way he believes this was a bad moment. Burying it. Well, I'm burying it too, because to me, it doesn't even make sense. And what I'd really like to know out of Mr. Booker T is what's his reasoning behind it? Because I mean, we can just make up things that happen without having a, a really good reason why, but... So he mentioned WWE. Uh, Don Callis mentioned Vince McMahon <laughs> on Dynamite. Like, who gives a crap? Um, it's one thing I like about AEW is that they don't pretend like nobody else exists. Where Vanilla Brand pretends like they're the only wrestling company that's ever existed. So, yeah, I'm bearing it. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, next up, we got Jim Cornette. 
Yeah, uh, that's right. I used his actual name as well as Bully Ray and David LaGreca call CM Punk's return perfect. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jimmy, I'm putting you over for once. For once you had something good and accurate to say. So good job. Yeah. You know, it's funny when we talked about the idea of this segment, putting it over, we're like, ah, it'll be really funny if at the end of every time we do it, we just bury James Corvette just just because, you know, just because we love having heat with Jim Cornette. But, of course, the very second episode of Putting It Over, we got to put the guy over because what he said on his podcast about the CM Punk return, you know, he mentions, it's not how I would have did it, but they did it better. It was absolutely perfect. If you guys haven't checked out Jim Cornette's comments on the CM Punk return, check them out. It's on YouTube. If you haven't heard Busted Open Radio with Bully Ray and David LaGreca, check it out. It, it, it's really it's really cool to hear guys who, I mean, who know wrestling. Yes, I said Jim Cornette knows wrestling. He's been in it for a minute. You know, he does know something. So for them to put that, to put it over, I gotta put them over. Ruby Soho's second teaser video came out early this week. Uh, it involved uh, her stealing a car from a gas station and, and driving off. She's flipping through the radio channels. There's a hint of her vanilla brand theme. We all know that the, the those two guys that do all the wrestling themes over in the vanilla brand, they just love ripping other off popular songs. I think this was the real song that they used that they ripped off that we hear. She goes into an anger, she crashes her car. Um, this wasn't the continuation that I thought it was going to be, but it was still kind of progressing the story in a way. We're, we're getting to see more of uh, Ruby Soho's character. So for that, I'm putting it over. Yeah, I'm putting it over as well just for the fact like these these videos are so well done and I and I like how they're exposing story without making it, you know, really blatantly obvious. So yeah, putting it over. Next up we got Red Velvet versus Jamie Hayter on Dynamite. Jamie Hayter making her in-ring return since episode 4 of Dynamite way back in October of 2019. Now, I got to put this match over. I thought this was a really good first match for Jamie Hayter. Uh, Red Velvet was a good competitor for her. It makes Jamie look like the beast that I think they want her to be. And um, they worked really well together. And Jamie looks good. I think this was a way better match than when we saw her in 2019. Yeah, I'm putting this match over as well. Jamie Hayter looked amazing. I feel like this match went a little bit long. I think I want, I would book Jamie Hayter a little bit stronger. You know, you had the real competitive match with Britt Baker on the Rampage before. Jamie Hayter's the enforcer. She's the bodyguard of Dr. Britt Baker. Have her just absolutely destroy Red Velvet. I, I don't think it hurts Red Velvet in any way because of the character that Jamie Hayter is portraying but otherwise awesome to see jamie hater back in AEW. you know what that sound means we gotta talk some cm punk <laughs> this <laughs> the cm punk segment on dynamite uh th this was an awesome moment it was much the same of what we saw in his his moment in the ring on, on rampage a little bit more of an interview style as shivani's there uh, it's just him interacting with the crowd I like that he's retiring the nickname of Voice of the Voiceless because he's in AEW and they listen to the crowd. The crowd is very much a part of the show. So I like that he's kind of retiring that nickname. Uh, CM Punk also shouts out his wife, AJ Lee. Uh, he blows her a kiss and says, I love you, April. She comments on Twitter right away, wasn't expecting to hear my government name tonight. I thought that was really cool. And kind of the big takeaway is, is that after saying that he wants to know if he still has it, if he still got it, the crowd breaks into a yes chant and CM Punk absolutely confirms Brian Danielson, AEW confirmed. Got to put this whole segment over. It was awesome. Yeah, I got to put this segment over for three reasons. First off, it's CM Punk, so it's almost an automatic. 
making a shout out to his wife, April. Like if, if I wanted any woman in AEW today, if I could pick it, it would be her. I think she's absolutely fantastic. And this tease, like, I don't know what you thought, but when he says it and the crowd reacts, he has this look on his face like he probably shouldn't have said that, but it like came out in the moment. And for that, like, yeah, I'm putting it over. It's fantastic. Did you think the same? Did you think that he maybe shouldn't have said what he said? I, I think he had that that thought in the back of his mind. He was like, ooh, maybe that was too far. But I think the reason he says it was the exact reason his return worked. It was that the worst kept secret by design. I think it's just that kind of thing. I'd love to hear what Tony Khan thought of it. But uh, yeah, he definitely had maybe some immediate regret. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we got Kenny Omega's segment on Dynamite. Uh, Christian does the interrupt, and they're talking about the the match that Don booked him in 96, which he kept referring to as being in Winnipeg, which uh, we did a little bit of sleuthing <laughs> and actually figured out that this was in Selkirk, Manitoba. Like, uh, you know, typical people from Winnipeg, they they think Winnipeg is the only city in Manitoba. So that sort of makes sense. Callis re- starts referring to himself as, uh, you know, making himself to be like Bill Watts, Eddie Graham. Here he says the Vince McMahon and uh, Vern Gagne. So this kind of got a little bit of a, a reaction uh, especially the the whole Vince McMahon part. I'm sure some of those other uh, names, some of that crowd didn't even know who Probably <laughs> who not, they were. No. Yeah. Um, Kenny Omega does a shout out to Edge where he says, uh, right to Christian, do you think you know me? <laughs> uh, I thought that was absolutely perfect, except I don't feel like the fans really reacted to this. Uh, did you catch a reaction from no. the crowd here? I mean, I popped hard for it. I was like, what? He just said, what? But yeah, no, the crowd did not react to that at all. And I think even Kenny was a little confused. They're like, really? They didn't They didn't catch that? Yeah. Did I not say it right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, after this, the elite just start uh, taking on Christian, taking him out. And um, the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, comes out for the save. I'm going to put this segment over just because of the so many references to to Canada and and I thought Christian did really well here. I'm also thinking ah this this was this was a good segment. What am I talking about? I thought Don was good. Kenny was not as obnoxious as he usually is. So yeah, this was a good segment. Put it over. Yeah, Christian really stole the show on this moment. Uh Callus made a comeback from his his kind of shitty segment last week that we had to bury. Um, I love that he's comparing himself to some of the greatest bookers in, in wrestling history, being Bill Watts, Eddie Graham, Vince McMahon, and Vern Gagne. If you guys don't know who these people are, go look them up. <laughs> if you don't know who Vince McMahon is, I think there's what are you listening to this show for, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, the the shout out to Edge, the 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 little remark was awesome. From there we go, Miro calling out Eddie Kingston on Dynamite. This leads into a little bit further action on the following Rampage as Miro attacks Fuego del Sol on Rampage and actually demasks him. The eighth time we've seen a masked spot, but it actually happens this time. So for that, I got to put it over. It, normally, I'm going to I'm going to probably uh, bury a mask spot, but it actually comes off this time. Fuego sold it well. Eddie comes out for the save. He comes out with a microphone. It's like he's going to cut a promo, but he just drops it and runs to the ring. They have a quick fight and a pull apart. This leads to the official setting of a match, Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the TNT title at All Out. I'm putting this whole this whole Miro stuff over every time. Yeah, for sure. This was a really good segment, and the only kind of... One thing I find a little bit weird here is uh, Fuego finally becomes all elite and then they get his mask off. I don't know. I, it almost seemed a little bit tasteless to me, but uh, I'll digress there. I'm I'm really looking forward to Miro and Eddie. They're two really different wrestlers and I, I, I'm interested to see what they come up with. I, I can't say I, I think it's going to be 100% a good match, but... 
I'm interested to find out what it will be like. Next up, we got Dan Lambert, the the would you say the biggest heel in AEW? He's getting close now, like two two promos, and he's the biggest heel. Um, he had a little bit of a promo on Dynamite, and he absolutely just rips into some of the biggest stars in the company. I have to think he's not writing this. Uh, like nobody's writing this stuff for him. He's just kind of going at it. We got Sammy Guevara. He calls him a 12-year-old looking gymnast. I'd like to hear what Sammy has to say <laughs> say about being compared to a, a gymnast. But um, uh, Darby Allen is the bastard child of Marilyn Manson and Tony Hawk. I, it's clever. That's clever. clever. I, yeah, I, I like that one. I, uh, I get the reference. And Orange Cassidy is a... Uh, some lazy douche in tight jeans and sunglasses. Like, I mean, we get, we get why he's saying all these things and he's taking out the, the biggest faces here and making them kind of sound a, a little bit stupid for that. I mean, I'm loving Dan Lambert. I, I hope he becomes a regular stay in, in AEW because he can talk. He's like, well, I was going to say he's like the Heyman of AEW, but I think he has a little bit to prove before we say anything like that, but he's definitely showing that he's got some chops on the mic. You had written here, looks like he'll manage men of the year. You don't, Is you that, don't see that. Well, they're flanking him. He's because the whole, the whole thing about his segment is that AEW keeps fitting soft men to us. Soft men want to watch soft men when you need real men. And he refers to the men of the year and, you know, to me, this just screams that he's going to be dealing with men of the year. I think if we, when we see Dan Lambert, the men of the year will, won't be far behind. And I like that. Right, right. I think, sorry, when I read men of the year, I thought of the wingmen. There's, there's too many groups now with the word man in it. <laughs> I totally thought of wingman. I'm like, why would he be with those jabronis? But no, I get it. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm burying you for not knowing who men of the year is. We've been burying the men of the year for three months now. <laughs> this was a good segment. I, I liked it. Uh, Dan Lambert, he's got it. He, he's, he kills it on the mic. So I'm putting that over. Bryce Remser takes, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after the Moxley Kingston Derby match versus the wingmen, Darby Allen's alone in the ring. He's celebrating the win over the wingmen. Daniel Garcia comes out to attack, and Bryce Remsburg absolutely lays out Daniel Garcia. He kind of he's he's going to go push him out of the way, but he literally throws Garcia out of the ring. I never noticed this the first time I watched it, but I mean, I gotta bury this. It was awesome. I loved it. I thought it was funny, but I got to bury it for two reasons. Bryce Remsburg being a bad ref. I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but he's getting over. <laughs> and I hate when refs get over. You know this. Daniel Garcia should not be bumping for a fucking ref. <laughs> I think he tripped. I think he slipped. But all in all, I got to bury this moment. It looked like shit, but fuck was it funny. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bury it as well for all those same reasons. And I'm just imagining Mike Kyoto ripping the TV off his wall. Like he just can't stand what he's watching Absolutely. on the TV. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next up, we got the bunny putting it over right there. Um, cause the bunny's in it versus a Ty Conte on a rampage. So I didn't get to see this. I won't be able to say too much about it, but, uh, Ty Conte on a 15 match win streak. Penelope Ford coming out to help the bunny. So that's interesting right there. Also another reason to put it over. And the bunny knocks out Ty Conte with the brass knucks for the win. So like I said, I, I didn't get to see Rampage. I was out of town. But everything I'm reading here all has putting it over to me. Definitely be going to watch this right after we finish the show here yeah for sure i i put it in the plan for you to read this one because i knew you'd put it over and rightfully so this was a really cool match it was quick it was the middle match on rampage um penelope ford coming out to help the bunny 
they the commentators kind of made reference that you know Bunny was offering a spot in the Hardy family office to Ty Conte when she declined. They got in the in the tussle, you know, and and hence the match. Penelope Ford coming out to help. It makes sense. Penelope Ford and the Bunny are friends out of the ring. Penelope Ford is constantly on Bunny's vlog and stuff like that. So that all makes sense. And it kind of looks like maybe Penelope Ford coming into the uh, the Hardy family office, potentially forming a tag team with the Bunny. So, yeah, I got to put all that over too. And I like that the brass knuckle gimmick is is transferring over to the Bunny as well. Got to put that over. Uh, last item on the docket here. Let's take a look ahead at All Out September 5th, 2021, live on pay-per-view. This is all the matches that we know so far. I... I mean, I'm looking at this card. It's absolutely huge. It's 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 awesome. I got to put the card over. I'm not sure we have any room for anything else. This is a jam-packed show, so I'm super excited for it. Let's just run through it quickly. We have the AEW World Championship match, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. It has not been announced that the Impact title it has anything to do with this match, so it looks like my prediction for that might not be coming true. AEW World Tag Team Championships, Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers in a steel cage. AEW Women's World Championship, Dr. Britt Baker DMD taking on Chris Statlander. The TNT Championship will be on the line as Miro defends against Eddie Kingston. We have Andrade El Idolo versus Pac. John Maxley announced on, on Dynamite that he will be taking on Satoshi Kojima in, in a match on All Out. It was supposed to be Tanahashi, but Tanahashi... I think I think he's got COVID, and and once he got back to Japan from that show in LA, he's locked down. He can't travel back to the states for a while. We have the final fight: MJF versus Chris Jericho. If J Chris Jericho loses, he'll never wrestle in AEW again. We also have CM Punk versus Darby Allen, Paul White versus QT Marshall, and on the buy-in, we'll have the Casino Battle Royale for the women's division. This is an absolutely stacked card. There really isn't a match that. You know, honestly, if the, if I had to pick a stinker of a match, it's probably going to be Moxley versus Kojima just because we don't really know who Kojima is. So I'm super pumped for All Out. This is going to be an awesome show. Putting it over. Absolutely. I'm putting it over as well. And, I mean, there are some big, big matches here like CM Punk, Darby Allen, huge match, Kenny versus Christian, Canadian Heat. Canadian Heat. And, uh, but uh, you know what? One I'm looking forward to is this battle royale. Like, I, I think this, this might actually be a, a really good buy in. I, I think we're probably going to have some surprises and just the, the ladies that, that we have, I, uh, I think are going to be, uh, be really good. So looking forward to that. Awesome, awesome. Let's get into our last segment of the show. It's a it's a new segment. It's a it's a ripped off segment. I'm not even gonna beat around the bush. We're completely stealing this from the tonight show, but we came up with some funny jokes and uh we're gonna see how it plays on, on the podcast. Let's get into some thank you notes. Thank you, Max Caster, for being an insensitive prick, and now we don't have to listen to your shitty raps. Ain't that the truth? Fuck that guy. Yeah. And good for Anthony Bowens. I think, you know, he's going to probably get a bit of a solo run here, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Definitely the Shawn Michaels of the, of the group. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Roman Reigns. If it wasn't for your wrestling matches, I would never get any sleep. How many times have we watched Raw and you just look over and I'm fast asleep? <laughs> Snoring. Uh, I knew you were sleeping <laughs> as soon as his entrance music hit and 15 minutes later when he finally got to the ring. Thank you, Tony Schiavone. Without you, the heels would never get their hands on the microphone. Never. It's his only reason to be in the ring is to get that microphone into the ring. What's Justin Roberts doing? Like, like he can easily hand those. Nah, Tony Giovanni is the best. I was, I, love it. I was so hoping CM Punk was going to grab the mic from him as a joke. 
<laughs> I thought that would have been pretty funny. That that would have been really good. That would have been really good. Thank you, Tony Khan. That's it. Just thank you. Best booker in the game. Thanks, Tony. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, looking forward for next week as we're going to be covering NWA and Power, which happened last night as we're recording. Uh, we also got AEW Dynamite and Rampage from the Now Center in Chicago. And, of course, our all-out predictions. So make sure you are subscribed on your platform of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Make sure you're subscribed so you know exactly when the prediction show goes live and, uh, you know, comment to us what your predictions are. You can hit us up at at impromptu Jeff, at impromptu Damien. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you all next week. Peace. Top guys out. <laughs>